Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar and the embarrassing mom who tries too hard, Noelle LaCroix. And I'm researcher between a hitch and a kink with a side of twinge, Dr. Kelly Jones. And we're here today to talk about Entropy, the 18th episode of season six. Entropy aired on April 30th, 2002. It was written by Drew Z. Greenberg and directed by James A. Cotner. Still Pretty is a fully spoiled, full-spectrum Buffy podcast, so if you haven't seen all of the show, go take care of that and we'll enjoy the refreshing sanity and so forth. Things fall apart. They fall apart so hard. So let's go on patrol. In Entropy, the trio chase some vampires through the cemetery on dirt bikes, but crash into each other. Buffy intercepts the vamps, and one of them drops a disc, which Warren grabs while Buffy is busy fighting. Spike shows up and offers to help Buffy with the fight if she'll tell her friends about their relationship. He threatens to tell them if she doesn't. Buffy says her friends and sister don't hate her even after she tried to kill them last week, so they won't hate her for sleeping with him. Spike asks, then why won't she sleep with him again? Because I don't love you. Meanwhile, Xander finishes drinking alone to sad music in his apartment and staggers out for a walk. Anya watches from the bushes. The next day, Willow accidentally on purpose meets Tara coming out of class. They have the emotionally charged conversation of two people who are trying desperately to play it cool about wanting to get back together. Tara clears up the kissing friend situation from last week, and Willow suggests that she and Tara get coffee sometime. Coffee. Thus, who are just friends. The next day, Buffy takes Dawn for a sister's day out to the mall where Don can't actually go in any of the stores on account of shoplifting. Meanwhile, at Chateau Trio, Jonathan is clearly unhappy about working on a mystical something-something project with the cemetery disc. Warren continues with the triangulation tactics. Andrew worries that Jonathan is going to turn them in, but Warren assures him that the thing is going to be soon. And are we almost finished with these guys? Because I'm so ready to be finished with these guys. Xander comes home to find Anya waiting for him. He makes a pretty good attempt at a repair. I may have practiced that a couple times in front of the mirror. But then, instead of offering Anya the clarity she needs on what happened, he tries to take the blame without any of the responsibility. No, no, it's not like that. That's not what... Okay, see, I didn't practice this part. Anya asks if he wants to get married or not, and Xander says it's complicated and that he's trying to be honest with her, but Anya turns away from him. Xander says he wishes things could just go back to the way they were before. Then Anya's face goes all vengeance demon veiny. And I wish you were never born. The wish has no effect. Xander is still there. Anya de-veins and tries a few more vengeance demon style wishes, but she only manages to hurt Xander in his metaphor intestines. She storms out of the apartment, convinced that there's something wrong with her demonic return. But no, the next day, Halfrick explains over coffee that you can't exact justice to get someone on behalf of yourself, silly. Anya, fully committed to her role as the wronged party, wonders if there's a way around that. You could try getting someone to make the wish for you, I suppose. At the Summer's house, Buffy is cooking breakfast for Dawn in another attempt at quality time. Dawn suggests an alternative to pancakes and pizza nights. Maybe instead of Buffy hanging out with Dawn, Dawn could hang out with Buffy on patrol. Dawn thinks she could help, but Buffy says no, it's too dangerous, and she sends Dawn off to school. 
At the espresso pump, Willow and Tara are having their just friends coffee date when Anya shows up, certain she's found her wing women in Miss Andrew. You're lesbians, so the hating of men will come in handy. But that's not how lesbians work. And in a delightful montage of Anya not so subtly priming the wish pump, we learn that Dawn doesn't use the W-I-S-H word anymore, and Buffy won't even entertain thoughts of torturing Xander. Buffy is about to make a wish, probably to take away the pain, when Xander appears and Anya storms off, angrily congratulating him on his loyal friends. Xander wants to go after her, but Buffy holds him back, saying it's not a good idea. In his frustration, Xander kicks a garden gnome and breaks it. Buffy has never seen the thing before, and when she and Xander examine the broken pieces, they find a camera hidden inside. Buffy wonders who would have put a camera in her yard, and Xander assumes he knows. Well, now, let's see. Who's obsessed with Buffy? Who likes to hang out in her yard and keep an eye on her? Who's in love with you and not getting any? Buffy confronts Spike about the camera, saying Xander thinks Spike is responsible. Spike is offended that Buffy would listen to Xander, and that she would think he could do such a thing. Because you don't lie or cheat or steal or manipulate. Spike says he doesn't hurt her, and Buffy says she understands. But Spike says no, something happened to him. The way he feels about her is different, and it's real. Buffy says it's still one-sided and that he needs to get over it, but Spike tells her to get out of his crypt before she can finish. Later at the magic box, Anya laments to Halfrek that none of Xander's friends will make a wish against him. What am I supposed to do? Just stumble upon someone who doesn't give a fig's ass if Xander gets hurt? Hey, I need a thing. Anya is delighted. Spike hates Xander. And then she's immediately discouraged. Spike's not a woman. Halfrick encourages Anya to try out a vengeance for men approach to retribution and excuses herself. The thing Spike needs is a numbing spell, something to dull the ache, and Anya produces a bottle of whiskey that Giles left behind. Meanwhile, at the summer's dining table, Willow is working on her laptop to figure out who put the gnome camera outside. Xander, Buffy, and Willow all suspect that it's the trio who at that very same moment are using the cemetery disc as part of a spell. It's clearly supposed to be a Raiders of the Lost Ark map room moment, but it just ends up setting their floor on fire. Willow hacks into the mainframe fiber optics something or other and discovers that there are more cameras. At the magic box, Spike and Anya share Giles' whiskey and their love life woes. They find some common ground in their heartbreak as an ex-ex vengeance demon who was too straightforward and a current but chip-stricken vampire whose attempts at being good were never good enough. Anya realizes that her anger has been a front for doubt about whether Xander ever really wanted her. Spike says that Xander and his own mystery girl, who he's been subtle but not super subtle about, are just weak. And then he moves in for a kiss. Wait, wait. What are we doing? Moving on. Spike and Anya go for it just as Willow hacks into the even mainer mainframe and pulls up the feed from the camera in the magic box. An alarm sounds in the trio's basement, letting them know their spy cams have been found out. Xander and Buffy are watching Anya and Spike on Willow's laptop when Dawn arrives home and also gets a peek at the screen before Willow covers her eyes. Willow spots the pain in Buffy's expression. Dawn notices it too. Dawn and Buffy share a nice moment in the backyard where Dawn tells Buffy she knows it must be hard to feel like she has to hide and keep secrets all the time. Willow interrupts the empathy 
with some bad news. Xander's gone. He took your axe. At the magic box, Spike and Anya exchange a wordless goodbye before Spike goes outside and narrowly avoids an axe blow to the head. Spike says he won't fight Xander, and Xander is about to stake Spike when Buffy and Anya intervene. Xander and Anya yell about their respective hurts and their right to move on. Xander expresses disgust that Anya would ever touch Spike, and Spike counters that he was good enough for Buffy. The secret is out. Xander storms off, horrified, and Buffy walks away silently. Tara goes to Willow's room, clearly very much in her post-coffee date feelings about whether she and Willow can be part of each other's lives again. Tara acknowledges that there's a lot to work through in order to rebuild trust in the relationship and that it's a long process and asks if they can just skip it and go directly to the kissing. And Willow is more than happy to grant her wish. Ooh, all right, Callie Jones. Hi. Thank you for filling in for Lonnie this week. Always fun. Yeah. Always fun. Yeah, yeah. And I like this episode, so it was yeah. good timing. Yeah. yeah, good. I'm glad you like this episode because this episode feels like a bit of a mess to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there are moments that I really enjoy, including a couple that I really, really enjoy. But overall, it's only okay. Yeah. So tell me about your love for this episode, because I'm excited to hear about it. (laughs) Well, I love it because Tara and Willow get back together. But I also love it because Dawn is so great. And this is where I start loving Dawn. And I get to love her for Mm. the rest of the series. Um, I also really appreciate Anya and Spike together. Um, If I could delete every second with the trio, this would be great. And I'm so ready for Xander to grow up, which he does. And he does really well. But this Xander is is not fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's funny is I had mistakenly credited this episode for one of my favorite Anya lines. Uh, later, when she's telling Xander about, you know, sleeping with Spike, she says that wasn't vengeance. It was solace. Um, and yeah. I thought that was this episode, but it's not. It's later in two to go. Um, so I still I like this a lot. I just wish the title had more direct ties to the episode because there's great title potential there. And I, I don't know that the meaning was super clear. Like I, I tried to think through it, but eh, yeah. I yeah. I think, I mean, entropy is what the, the tendency of things to fall apart. Yeah. And we get that a little bit. Um, but I think not, it's, it's not a super, it's not a super direct title for what we have going on, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and we get some good stuff. We get we get to find out how vengeance demons work for one, <laughs> which I really enjoy. Um, I I love this. Halfrak tells us that a vengeance demon can't do her own vengeance demoning, yeah. which. I guess sort of makes sense in the same way that therapists need therapists. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I thought that was so good. It's a great, it's it's a great um, juicy detail for like how vengeance demons work. And I just, Mm -hmm. I mean, and I love, I love the way Halfrick delivers that whole thing. There's one Halfrick line that I do not care for. I don't like her cracking a take back the night joke and making Anya into this kind of straw feminist character. But overall, Halfrak's whole presence is so delightful. And I love what she tells us about 
how vengeance works or I guess it's justice. Is it justice? Yeah. 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 I, I love it. I, I appreciate Halfrick so much. And her paper cut child support curse is fantastic. And we need that magic in the world. I'm like, yes, let's yeah. let's. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's good. <laughs> and she's so delighted with herself, too. It's one of my favorite things about Halfrack. Um, But we also get, you know, in this kind of like, how does the world work or how does the how does the magic of the world work? There's this interesting bit of I don't know. It it this feels really crunchy with Spike. I mean, there's a lot of good crunchy stuff with Spike. But yeah, this in particular stood out to me in this kind of like how the world works space when Spike is drinking with Anya and opening up to her, he talks about saving the Scoobies over and over, even though he'd bite them if he had the opportunity. <laughs> or rather, Anya is the only one he wouldn't bite if he had the opportunity, which is just adorable. That whole thing is just darling. But he's alluding to this trying to be good for Buffy thing that he's been doing. Which I mean in both senses, right? Trying to be good for Buffy as in a good fit for Buffy. Mm-hmm. And also trying to be good for Buffy. He's been trying to be a good guy because he knows that that's what Buffy wants from the people in her life. And he wants to be in her life. So Anya in this scene is more overt, I guess, in her fears. Like she mm-hmm. is afraid that Xander re- never really loved her and never wanted her as much as she wanted him. Spike seems to be toying covertly with the idea that all of his efforts to be quote unquote good and to help the Scoobies aren't sufficient. And as much as Spike seems to revel in his badness, it's when Xander calls him an evil soulless thing that he lashes out and outs Buffy in this kind of revenge yeah. space. It's it's really interesting, especially in the, in the context of this season where we're doing the whole, like, there are humans with souls who are doing evil things, and then there are demons who are lovely, and then there's this vampire with no soul but with a great capacity for love. It just, I feel like we're further complicating the the this theme of like what does it mean to be good yeah or bad what does it mean to be bad Mm -hmm. no very much so and it's fascinating to me that it's the vampire and the vengeance demon who are together from heartbreak you know which is not the uniting force that you might expect (laughs) for that pairing (laughs) Um, you know and it's it's so interesting to me that Anya blames herself you know, I mean, she got stood up at the altar and she's like, I can't sleep wondering what I did wrong. Yeah. And Spike blames Xander and Buffy. You know, they're just weak is all. So it's yeah. it's Anya seems to have this like, I am not lovable vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And Spike almost has the opposite of like, I know she loves me, but I'm not quote unquote good enough. Like, I can't perform good enough. But I know she loves me and she won't give in because I don't perform good enough. Like, it's it's really crunchy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, the Spike stuff. I First of all, I love Spike and Anya as, I don't want to say two sides of the same coin, but like as really interesting mirrors for each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But it's I it's funny. I read that like Spike saying they're weak as a little bit of projection. Like I think he's comforting Anya in that moment. I think he's doing a great job actually yeah. of comforting Anya. But I think that that he's worried about the weakness in himself mm. more than the weakness in Buffy. That's my read on that. Interesting. Because I I, I kept going back to Spike. You know, one of my favorite Spike speeches of the whole series is that, you know, you're not friends. You'll never be friends. I may be love's bitch, but I'm man enough to admit it. Like, it's so good. Where his take on what it means to love is is this ferocity, you know, and this, this just absolute kind of passion driven approach that he believes is there. That, you know, it seems like he thinks Buffy won't step into because mm-hmm. she won't face the fact that she loves him. Like that's it. It's kind of feels like that to me. And so when he lashes out, Cassandra, you know, you evil soulless thing when Buffy's standing yeah. right there and he's like, how many times have I? You know, like He saved Xander's life and Xander's the yeah. one trying to kill him right then. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 so crunchy and so good. But I love Anya and Spike together. Just their whole conversation and the way that they interact and treat each other is so lovely. It's it's just, it's so good to see. It's the best. It's the best. I mean, this is season six, which I keep calling the relationship season, mm-hmm. and I'm sticking with it, yeah, right? It's yeah. about relationships. Um, and you have some fabulous notes on relationships in this episode in particular. Yeah, I was I was struggling with the title. Like, I want episodes yeah. titles to mean something. Um, so I started wondering about entropy as destruction in relationships um, versus mm. the idea of moving on. Because we hear moving on several times in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, entropy is falling into disorder. The theory that everything must return to chaos Uh, The dictionary defines it as a process of degradation or running down or a trend to disorder. So this is kind of this this degrading aspect of relationships. And we get this great line from Tara kind of paraphrasing Yates and the second coming at the end when she says things fall apart. They fall apart so hard you can't ever put them back the way they were. And the line from that poem is things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world, which is what's going to happen at the end of season six. You know? Yeah. Um, So I started thinking about entropy versus wholeness or integration. Right. And like how we do that within ourselves and, and within our relationship as people. And so there was like two paths here. So we have one group moving deeper into entropy, like moving into chaos. So Anya and Xander, you know, Xander and his fears and his emotional immaturity, he's moving farther and farther away from empathy and farther away from self-awareness. And then you see his anger and disgust kind of escalate. So it's Xander versus Spike, Xander versus Anya, Xander versus Buffy. And it seems to me like there's a whole lot of self-hatred and self-disgust in Xander that's oh coming for out sure absolutely yeah yeah and then yeah. Anya and her anger you know going back to her vengeance demon self so maybe she's moving away from her humanity but closer to her authentic self 
you know she was a demon for a thousand years right like yeah yeah um oh i like that yeah and so that's leading to the frat house slaughter in season seven's selfless so we kind of see that path starting right that that path into chaos yeah um and then we have buffy and spike with all this distortion you know and these fears um and this degradation of each other and of their relationship you know when when spike asks, why won't you sleep with me anymore and buffy says because i don't love you and spike says like hell you know because yeah he has a very distorted understanding of love he loves but it's it's chaotic and and that is going to lead us to seeing red yeah Um, and then even with the trio who i I don't give a damn about but they're here (laughs) so you know they're here they're here and they're doing stuff like there's there's you know there there are cracks in that group yeah Yeah. i know i know so you but you kind of have like warren and andrew versus jonathan right so this right this trio is is degrading um, yeah, Warren is leaning more and more into chaotic evil, and that's going to lead, you know, to Tara's murder pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So you do have these like big cracks, right, that are going to cause massive destruction toward the end of season yeah. six. But then you have the shift from entropy back toward wholeness or integration. Yeah, um, with Buffy especially. You know, last week she tried to kill everybody, um, and that seems to have brought her back. Not just to her friends and to Dawn, but back to herself and back to life. And she's mm-hmm. trying to move away from Spike, you know. Yeah. Um, she's like, hey, I tried to kill them all last week. And guess how much they hate me? Zero. Zero much. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and when that final secret comes out, you know, Dawn and Willow, like people are, I mean, Xander doesn't handle it well, but it almost brings Dawn and Buffy closer together when Dawn yeah. finds out what Buffy's they have been that dealing lovely with. Moment. Mm-hmm. They have that lovely moment where Dawn is like, oh, this, like the thing, you know, because Buffy's like, oh, it's too dangerous. I have to protect you from the monsters. And like, yeah, she's right. But Dawn calls her on it in that moment and it's like, oh, wait, the thing you've been protecting me from is you. Yeah. And you don't need to do that. You know, like she's she's and she doesn't even like my tone of voice just now was way harsher than Dawn's. Dawn is like, it must be so painful to feel like you have to hide like that. And I'm like, damn, yeah. Dawn. Yeah. Nice. She, yeah. she she has learned how to put on the empathy hat like a boss. Like it is. No kidding. It's fantastic. Yeah. And so we really see that relationship now becoming the best it's ever been. And it's, yeah. it's so good you know, to watch. Um, and then you do have some of this with Spike and Anya where they're kind of helping each other. But I think it gets, it's easy to miss this sort of back to peace, you know, wholeness or whatever between Spike and Halfrick. Because that was, oh, she was the Sicily yeah. that William loved so much, you know, and now they can just be in a room and nod at each other and it's no big deal. So like it was, it's kind of an interesting interaction with the two of them that, Oh, my God. That's such a good catch that I didn't even spot. But yeah, that moment when he comes in, you know, they're having a they're having a girl's night in and Spike comes in. He needs a thing. And the the like calm between Halfrek and Spike Mm -hmm. as she just like 
kind of cheekily excuses herself from that dynamic. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, we get Willow and Tara um, who are coming back as lovers after they have really been kind of working on being friends again. You know, and and I love the coffee with us who are just friends and <laughs> like spikes i'm love's bitch speech like i want it again right there it's right, so good right um and then of course the best last line of an episode ever can you just yeah. be kissing me now like it's so good it's oh so my good. god oh my god it's so good it's so good and it's such a like a i don't know because because we are a fully spoiled full spectrum podcast like that moment is so bittersweet because I know what's coming next. I know. Oh, you know, God. like, I know. God, if you didn't know, if you didn't know what was coming next for Tara and Willow, it would just be like this beautiful reconciliation where, like, you know, they're never going to be friends because they're, <laughs> you know, they're just like this, this magical force of like love. But we know it's coming next because we have the fucking trio and we cannot have a happy ending for anyone, especially these two people who like so, I I so want them to have a happy ending. And Mm -hmm. it just, ugh, ugh. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, all right, we have to talk. I mean, we have to talk about the trio. Can we get them out of the way? Because they're kind of a big deal in this episode. But also, oh, really? Like, come on. I hate them Come so on. much. I hate them so much. So I I tried to think critically through why do I particularly hate them? Not as people, because obviously, but why yeah. do I hate them so much in season six? Yeah. And, and I have decided that they don't work well as villains in the Buffyverse. Because if you follow the rules of this story world, there is no way for Buffy to fight back. And right, because where is the Slayer line? Buffy can't kill them because they're human. They they have murdered people. They have raped Mm -hmm. people. They have violated Buffy's privacy. Um, Also, armed stalking is a felony, y'all. They have violated her body. They have made her invisible. They have turned her into goo. They have literally manipulated the cells in her being. Yeah. They have violated her mind. They made her think she killed Katrina. They made her endure the mental institution delusion. They tried to kill her a whole bunch of times, but they get a pass because they're human. And, you know, if having sex with Spike is supposedly evil and disgusting because he doesn't have a soul, even though he helps the Scoobies all the time, and the trio of evil idiots have souls, but they do the worst that humans are capable of doing and somehow they're still coded as goofy and funny. So you have these people who are hell bent on evil and destruction and it's pushing up against the Slayer's rules and none of Buffy's instincts or skills or ways of working apply Mm -hmm. because they're humans with souls allegedly. And so like (laughs) for me, season six has always been hard because it takes such a dive into reality and mundanity and the trio are the worst representation of our real world but they don't work for me because they're truly evil and yet they're protected from being staked because yeah. the slayer doesn't kill humans so i'm like all right well can we bring faith 
back because her line's a little more flexible. Can we get them sent to prison? Can we turn them into rats? Like, right, something. But I feel like right. they, they don't, not, not only do I hate them and they're disgusting and they ruin everything, but they just don't work for me. Yeah, well... No, that's a really, really good point, because we've talked on Still Pretty before about how they don't work. They're just like not narratively satisfying in the sense that they are too mundane and they're too recognizable. They're almost too real in a lot of ways. But I think your point that they don't work in the Buffyverse specifically because there are no Slayer rules for this. Like Buffy cannot be the slayer to solve this problem is that's that is such a good observation in terms of like that what that deep down story frustration is yeah because they don't fit in the world yep yeah they don't fit in the you know they're not a they're not a metaphor for anything they're Mm -mm. just you know no they're just shitty, shitty dudes um, who are, as you say, portrayed as funny and almost charming. Like, I am very uncomfortable in this episode with how much I enjoy Andrew. Yeah. Because Andrew, Andrew is doing this, like, very obvious side with Warren thing, right? Like, he sees Warren, you know, Warren... Warren is just an abusive asshat. That's just, that is his whole thing. He has no remorse over killing this woman that he ostensibly loved. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just, he is so far in the sadist manipulator bad guy space that, you know, I almost don't want to talk about him, but Andrew, Andrew has this sweetness and yet is leaning into the Warren side of things. And it's really, really hard to watch. It is. Um, because, it is. And I feel I feel weird about enjoying Andrew because he's so oddly endearing, mm-hmm. at least for me. The way he goes over the dates on the milk, yes. not really understanding what Warren is saying, yeah. is so charming. Mm-hmm. It and is. Then, yeah. And then when Warren gets disgusted with him and says it's going to be soon, he replies, oh, wow, in this like, I'm part of something bigger kind of way. And it's like, dude, you're no, no, like bad, yeah. Andrew, come on. Yeah. Um, And I guess that makes him an interesting villain in the sense that he is very vulnerable. I freaking love when they're watching Spike and Anya on the video and Andrew says, Spike is so cool. And then he has this moment where he has to put in, and the girl is hot too. Yeah. And then you see him doing, now this is, this is, I don't know that this was on the page, but it's in the performance. You see him doing the mental am I gay math. Yep. And it's so good and so vulnerable. And he's still like, it, uh, he's still just a colossal violent scary guy who gets this like gentleness overlay i don't know i don't it's hard and and because he's still approaching so much of this as a child i mean when he's talking about um jonathan yeah he's like oh he made that face when he told his mom on me he's gonna tell on us like it's yeah it's still this like little kid 
um, yeah. you know, thing. And you've got Warren as the, you know, super evil cult leader who has stepped away from his his people, right? Yeah. And, and more into him, you know, his self and his narcissistic, horrible evilness. And Andrew responds to that with kind of shock and awe. And Jonathan yeah. is starting to rebel a little bit where he's even like he's got the deader than an ex-girlfriend, kind of that little side comment, yeah. you know. Um, and so you see them, the differences in their reactions to this horrible, evil person who, by the way, I am not sorry to see flayed. Maybe it makes right? me a terrible person. I'm fine with it. Um but that's what fiction is for, though. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> you do, like, as the show continues, we do see Andrew. I mean, I hate to say it's like a redemption arc, but it, it kind of is. Like, he's, he, in season seven, changes so much. And then later on Angel, he's pretty great. And it, I am very uncomfortable seeing how evil he is and and i don't know that he's held to the level of accountability that i would want Mm -hmm. and yet there's something endearing about him that that kind of grows and persists as he you know he kind of changes cult teams and then he's on the good guys team you know oh it's so complicated it's so complicated the way like this perceived I mean, Warren calls him weak, right? Mm-hmm. And oh god, and his response. Oh, okay. Like wh- there's something there's there's something really deep there for me, but this this perceived weakness or this like less than, like he's quote unquote not as bad as Warren, mm-hmm. which makes him okay, but also he's coded queer in this way that I think Honestly, I think would be more interesting now. Yeah. In a in an internalized homophobia makes people act out in misogynistic ways kind of mm-hmm. space. I think there's definitely space for those stories. I mean, Fight Club arguably is one <laughs> of those stories. But I think, you know, I think if we were doing this in 2021, we might be having a more interesting conversation through the trio about masculinity and misogyny and, you know, homophobia internalized or otherwise and transphobia and things of that nature. But it's just, you know, it's just not here. And I'm left with this like deeply uncomfortable fondness for Andrew, despite the fact that Mm -hmm. he's awful. Well, he is, but he he also... Like as as the the story progresses and he grows, he, he does actively represent like my personal philosophy of the human ability to grow and change and develop into something better. And there's even this moment of him in the last season of Angel, which is, you know, after this series with Buffy ends, you know, and Angel continues where he mm-hmm. Angel and Spike are up to a bunch of shenanigans and Andrew tells them both. He says, people change. You should try it yeah. sometime. You know, oh, and, and, I love and that. it's 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 an incredibly powerful, you know, testament to, yeah, this if if you're caught up evil, you there is possibility for growth and yeah. redemption and change. But it feels like it comes. I mean, if we compare his redemption path to faith, 
or we compare his redemption path to Willow. It's yeah. so much easier. There's so much less expected of him mm-hmm. that it bothers me. But I also have a very difficult time hating him. And I'm uncomfortable with the fact that I'm having a difficult time hating him. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Oh, I think we're absolutely on the same page about that. <laughs> yeah. Before we before we deep dive into some of the great character stuff that we get in this episode, talk to me a little bit about the music in okay. Entropy. So I was so interested in this because when I started thinking about Entropy as like, this is the episode that foreshadows all of the chaos and destruction that is to come for season six. Then the episode yeah. made a little bit more sense to me. And the, there's two songs. There, There's more than two songs playing, but there's one at the beginning and one at the end that seem to be very foreshadowy in the lyrics. And these are two songs that I liked, so I happened to pay a little bit more attention. But the, the sad song that Xander's playing in his sad sadness at the beginning <laughs> um, is, is Tom McRae's Sao uh, Paulo Rain. And these lyrics are basically painting a picture of the final scene of season six. They say, um, do not disturb this blood red earth. There's giants sleeping beneath and carnival queens on their deathbed scenes all go through the motions of grief. And this is going to end literally on blood red earth, you know, with Willow in this massive destruction because of the grief that she's gone through. And I was like, I really hope they did that on purpose. Um, Cause that's real good. Whether or not they did it on purpose, that's a fantastic read, and I love it, and I'm so here for that. It was so cool. Um, and then at the end, the the closing song, right, right at the end, is Allison Krauss, uh, That Kind of Love. And one of the lyrics is, who would sell their soul for love? So and good. this happens right after Spike, you know, and, and all of that confrontation with everybody. And Spike is going to do the opposite, where he is going to buy back his soul for love. Right. So I just I, I was like, I love I love when lyrics do stuff. And I, I don't know if it was intentional, but it really worked for me in terms of where we're going to see everybody go. Yeah, here. yeah. I love that so much because when, you know, just like anything that is in the frame, anything visually in the frame of a movie or television show is meaningful in that someone picked that out. Somebody put that in the frame. Mm -hmm. That music was chosen. Yeah. And and not just not just the songs themselves, but like where in the song we join up with the song Mm -hmm. you know what lyrics we're hearing as we're seeing these visuals so yeah i love that i love the lyrics as a kind of distillation of where this season is going that's good it's so good it was so fun it was so fun yeah so yeah let's do character beats so talk to me about willow and tara oh my god all right well I mean, you said it at the top of the show, right? The best, possibly the best thing about Entropy is Willow and Tara coming back together. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> Willow and Tara being so cute and awkward in that post-class scene where they're yeah. walking together is just, it. oh, I love to see it. They're just both exposed nerves of vulnerability and shared intimacy. And they are trying so hard 
to pump the brakes and not just jump back into bed together. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love. I love it so much because they're both, they both have this awareness of everything that has taken place between them. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're both like you can see them both wanting to honor this relationship. They do want to jump back into bed together, you know, right this minute. But they're so tender with each other and holding that space for each other. And I just love to see it. It's so, so good. And it's another example of the, you know, these are young actors who are doing phenomenal performance yeah. work. Mm-hmm. Um that whole sequence, the face flirting in that scene is just top notch. They're having this like really kind of casual conversation about, oh, yeah, you know, coming out of class. Yeah, I tend to do that after class. But the faces are like, I know that you know that I know that, you know, <laughs> they're so great. It's it's just delightful. And then the whole Willow Terra three beat in this episode is just lovely right Mm -hmm. so we set up this positive interaction on campus we continue with a positive interaction over coffee despite all of the lol lesbians jokes which whatever whatever i'm i'm you know rolling my lesbian eyes at that but that's fine whatever (laughs) and then tara comes to see willow and it's like oh, no, it looks like we're going to launch into this big speech about heartbreak and trust and, and oh, drama. But then can we just skip it? Yeah. And uh-huh. <laughs> I love it so much. And I think it works because can we just skip it is not actually skipping all of the processing that they need to do. Right. Because mm-hmm. they have done a lot of this. Um, they even have the the like very cute, awkwardly coded, hey, are you sleeping with anybody else conversation exactly. after class? You know, like, yes, I have no friends. It's, it's <laughs> I have no I mean, friends. I have friends, <laughs> but, you know, and also opening up space. Like when Willow asks Tara if she wants to get coffee and she's like, you can bring your friend. So it's it's yeah. like I want to have time with you. And if you're in another relationship, I still would like to see you. Like, it it feels yeah. very open. Um, and I think that they they have talked through a lot of things, but they, they also recognize where they both are and what has changed. So I don't feel like they had a big fight and then just skipped every. Like, this doesn't feel like makeup sex. It, no. It feels like a very intentional, mutually agreed upon, I am ready to move on if you are. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. And it works. It's so sweet. And it's so dear. And I'm sorry, but can you just be kissing me now is one of the greatest lines that has ever like, it's just perfect. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and even (laughs) even as a lesbian, you can only process so much before (laughs) it's like, I just, you know what? We just, I need a break from the processing. Like, I need a break. I need a break from the assembling of the Ikea furniture and the rescuing of pets and the shopping at Trader Joe's. And I just, you know, again, the life stories. Can we just skip it and do some kissing now? It's, yeah. it's, uh, and I would uh, argue that, that kissing can be a form of processing. So, uh, ooh, th- hello. I mean, yes. Right? Yeah. Touch is yeah. a love language. Um, and yeah. I just, I so it works for me. It just, it's so good. It's so good. 
Which, of course, yeah. is why we only get 30 seconds of it, because being in love in the Whedonverse is, is oh, I know. not, not going to end well. I um, know. But it's oh. so good. And, and it's it's so funny, because it's, it's almost a tie for me, as much as I love Willow and Tara. I freaking love Dawn. Dawn, in this episode, delights me so much. Seeing the person... That she is going to become and the depth mm-hmm. of sudden empathy and awareness and maturity and consideration and wisdom almost in this kid yes. is yeah so remarkable um, and also so cute. Like syrups have kinds. Are, yeah. are we the international house of something? It, why is syrups have kinds so damn cute? Because it is so cute. It's so cute. It's so cute. What kind of syrup do you want on your pancakes? I think because what kind of syrup do you want on your pancakes is just a it's just an odd question. Yeah. But she's oh, she's so good. She's so great. And this comes on the heels of last week with her kind of almost I don't want to say deliberate misunderstanding, but just like her lack of perspective when Buffy is like having a psychotic break question mark and she's like it's your ideal reality and i'm not even in it and it's like whoa okay yeah okay 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 yeah something she a switch flipped for dawn she is wonderful she's She's wonderful and her offering up of alternatives Mm -hmm. is so I mean, it's so sweet. You know, it's like, no, we don't really, you know, I don't need you to feed me all of the carbohydrates. Like we could hang out together doing other things. But she's really, there's there's this, I don't know, this genuine desire, not just to spend time with Buffy, but also to help. Yeah. Like she wants to help with the slaying. She yeah. wants to help her sister who is the slayer because she loves her sister who is the slayer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and I think they do a beautiful job here, Buffy and Dawn, both giving and receiving forgiveness. Um, you know, when Dawn walks into that breakfast buffet that Buffy's trying so hard. So you have Buffy in her acts of service love language and you have Dawn in her quality time love language and they're like working this forgiveness thing. Yeah. Um, and and Don says, I'm going to be okay with the basement thing. Like it's it's flat yeah. out. It's tangible and it's real. Um and and she's so good. Like she she accepts Buffy sleeping with Spike. She doesn't put herself at the center. She demonstrates great maturity and empathy. Um, she faces Anya and says, Hey, can we talk about my shoplifting? How do I make it right? Which is not an easy conversation to have. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and then she's owning up to all the shoplifting when she's at the mall with Buffy. Um, and Buffy is kind and forgiving and playful in that space, too. You know, like you stole a toothbrush and dental yeah. hygiene is important. And what kind of, yeah, what know, kind of teenager <laughs> are you? Yeah. What kind of teenager are you? Or like, we'll figure this out together. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's just really beautifully done. Um, and then, of course, them shopping at that scene made me think of you. Oh, yeah. That is the Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica, which is like right like blocks from where I grew up. I spent about 10 years Mm -hmm. of my childhood, young adulthood in Santa Monica. Um, 
Yeah, I actually sometimes would walk home from school via the Third Street Promenade. So That's so that, cool. That was fun. That's yeah. very cool. That's very, very that cool. That was fun. But, but yeah, I'm just delighted with Dawn. And, and I love the fact that she stays. Like, we now have Dawn. Yes. You know, and, and we're going to yeah. have her like this for the rest of the series. And, and she becomes such a compelling character for me. Yeah. Um, it's just so good. It's so good. It's so, so good. Speaking of characters who <laughs> have compelling journeys, but maybe uh, do some things we don't enjoy. I got to talk about Xander in this episode. Mm-hmm. I got to because, oh, boy. Oh, boy, Xander in this episode. Um, you mentioned Xander not being great in yeah. this episode. And I agree. I think he ends up in a really self-centered place. Mm-hmm. And Anya calls him on it, which is, you know. wonderful like he left her at the altar how dare he question her desire to move on but i think he starts out in a pretty good place by which i mean he starts out in a pretty bad place sitting on the floor drinking alone to sad music in his apartment but he is at emotional rock bottom and i feel for him in this moment yeah because he hurt anya but not out of any malice or desire to hurt her and he almost figures it out. He almost puts all the pieces together. Um, the The scene in Xander's apartment when he comes home and Anya's there is where he starts the downhill coast into like really not great territory. Yeah. And I love, I love that scene. Just, I love it for both of them as a fight. I love that they're both so tender and trying to understand what happened. And I just feel for both of them in that scene, especially Anya just carrying the weight of disappointment and Xander wanting to lift that weight, but he doesn't have enough perspective outside of himself to really do that. Mm-hmm. I'm rooting for that. I'm still rooting for them in that scene, I think. And Xander... I mean, Xander is clearly going through it, but he seems to want to get to Tara's can you just be kissing me now without acknowledging the process that they would be consciously, intentionally bypassing or at least putting on hold in order to get to the can things go back to us being together? Yeah. You know, he tells her, I'm an idiot. And that leaves no room for a conversation. Because I guess you could yes and that, but there's nowhere to go with a statement that suggests that the speaker is just fundamentally flawed in some crucial way, right? Yep. Because like the best case scenario is that it puts the wronged party, Anya, in the position of comforting, you know, like, no, sweetie, you're not an idiot. Of course you're not. That's that's not right. Um I appreciate I appreciate that Anya doesn't let him off the hook. Mm-hmm. She asks for clarity a couple of times, you know, said something about what when Xander says he would have said something. But Xander totally falters in this moment and it frustrates the hell out of me because I want him to grow from this. Yeah. I want him to make a good apology and get vulnerable with Anya. And if offering an explanation is part of that, Okay, like I think that, you know, if she were ready to receive an explanation, an explanation might really help her. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to give an explanation, you got to clear on your explanation, my dude. Like you can't 
You can't just, I'm an idiot if I were more self-aware and then drop it. It doesn't work that way. And there's one moment in here that feels deeply authentic to me. And that's when Xander says, I'm just trying to be honest with you. And Anya's response is, yes, honesty now. Congratulations, Xander, on being honest now. I wonder what the metal will say. (laughs) It's so hard. It's so good, but it's so hard because everyone is right Mm -hmm. in the sense that everyone's feelings are correct in this moment. And it sucks. It sucks so hard. I just, oh, I just want Xander to do a little better because he's almost there, right? Like he's, he, he's clearly thinking about this and we've seen him go through the mental process of, I don't want to hurt this person the way my father hurt my mother, Mm -hmm. for example, but he doesn't quite get there. And then he just, he just slides down into that you know, anger and defensiveness to the point that then he's going to get mad at Anya for sleeping with Spike and then kill Spike about it because reasons. I don't know. No, yeah, Xander, no. my man, come it's, on. It's so bad. And it, but it, and it's hard to watch because it is such a great example of a bad fight. Like, this is bad fighting, as in yes. they're not fighting well. Um, yes, but both people have genuine reasons for doing what they're doing, and neither wants to hurt the other. And it's to me, it's so interesting that you have an ex ex vengeance demon who yeah. is in. So now she's in the position of feeling deep emotional pain, right? Yeah, that doesn't follow the vengeance demon equation of justice. You know, Xander didn't do something to try to wrong her. He didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, he didn't cheat on her or steal all her money or whatever. Like, this was a crap. I was already scared about getting married. I didn't know how to tell you I was scared about getting married. And then someone showed up at the wedding and gave me worst case scenario. And now I'm so freaked out that I don't even know what to do about it. And in his head... I think Xander has processed all of this and realized, I love her. I'd really like to date her. I'm not ready to get married. But she's not in his head with him. Right. All she knows is that they were on track and dude left. And she is assuming, you know, she's furious with him and also wondering what she did wrong. But her ways of working (laughs) through that kind of pain is to rip out somebody's intestines. And that's not working in this (laughs) <laughs> you know in this in this yeah. box um yeah but i'm so excited that anya's back she has been redeemed and th- yay but then i'm like okay what is what do you call that right because it's not born again like no what is, but although that would be hilarious but like what is the word for made into a demon again i love your yeah. xx X, yeah, X, she's an XX demon. demon. Yeah. Um, you know, and and but she's so great. You know, those are metaphor intestines. You're not in any real pain. And I'm like, yeah, Anya has God. no time for words. It's so good. Um, and I love her kind of the way that she's trying when she goes to each of the friends to try to get them to make a wish against Xander. She is also looking for somebody to be on her side. 
Yeah. You know, she tells uh, Buffy says, I don't think he could feel any worse. And Anya's like, let's test that theory. Like, oh, yeah, he can because intestines like ripping. (laughs) Guess what? Guess what? You know, um, and when she tells Xander, well, congratulations, they all still love you even after what you did to me. So she's echoing Buffy from the beginning Mm -hmm. of the episode. Right. I tried to kill all my friends last week and they still love me. And she's yeah. like, well, good for you, Xander. You left me at the altar and everyone still loves you. Um, because she doesn't have anyone like just completely outraged on her behalf. And that's what she's done for a thousand years. Yeah. So, like, how does she process this kind of pain and betrayal? You know, especially when nobody's really there. And like Halfrick is there for her in a way. But Halfrick is also like, honey, I don't understand why you were marrying this man with the big arms in the first place. So like, they are there, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Halfrick goes home and writes in her journal, I knew it. Exactly, exactly. I see Halfrick is there. She, She has more of the like, okay, look. You tried this human thing. You tried this marriage thing. Like, can we get you back into your career now? Are you ready exactly. to expand the types of vengeance that you that you wrought? Like, let's 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 do some self development. And Anya is still so deep in personal pain that she can't yeah. you know, be there. But she doesn't have she doesn't have a willow. She doesn't have someone a hundred percent with her in her pain on her side, um, which is I think really really hard. You know? Yeah. Well, and she talks about it both with Halfrick and with Spike that, you know, she's like, my social circle is kind of limited here. Like she, yeah. you know, all of her quote unquote friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would argue that they are her friends, yeah. even though she doesn't feel that way. She says to Buffy, she like flat out says, oh, because he's your friend and I'm not. not. Yep. And I was like, "Ooh, ow. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah. that would be her experience. Yep. Um. It's really too bad she can't talk to Tara and just Tara. I think if she had not, I don't think Tara would make a wish against Xander, but I think if Anya had somehow gotten to Tara before she was on her date with Willow, that might have gone a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, What I find fascinating here with Anya as the XX vengeance demon is the question of whether Xander's emotional pain would matter more to Anya if she weren't a demon again Mm. because she is in deep emotional pain and rightfully so xander is also in deep emotional pain his intestines are tied in knots and ripped apart inside his lousy guts metaphorically (laughs) speaking but anya's demonness makes her want to answer emotional torment with physical pain you know Those are metaphor intestines. It's one of the best lines in the whole episode. Yeah. Those are metaphor intestines. You're not in any real pain. Mm -hmm. I think that the, you know, real is an interesting word choice there, especially after last week. What is real and what is not? Oh, yeah. And maybe this circles us back to how vengeance demons work and why their work seems fundamentally kind of unbalanced to me. Because what is the appropriate physical punishment for inflicting emotional wounds? It's not a neat and tidy exchange rate. Unless you magically flay the misogynist who killed your girlfriend. And then <laughs> I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Well, and it's it's interesting to me, too, like in an episode that hinges so much on secrets, right? We get like Dawn has owned up to all of her shoplifting and she right. is in a better place than Buffy. Buffy gets outed 
and ends up mm-hmm. in a better place because her secret comes out. But as they're having this very emotional conversation, you know, Anya and Xander, Anya is now a demon again. And Xander mm-hmm. doesn't know it. And so there has to be like another revelation coming out, secret sharing. So it would have almost been more interesting if Xander had handled this beautifully. And Anya had then had to say, oh, okay, well, yeah, I kind of want to still date you too. But by the way, I'm a vengeance (laughs) demon again. Um, Like there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Because Anya has taken a step that is is almost fundamentally preventing her from having a relationship with Xander again. Like she has put this huge barrier between them. Yes. Um, which is the opposite of what Spike ends up doing when he goes back to get his soul. So, like, I just, I love the Anya and Spike mirror there, you know, in how they each handle this heartbreak. Um, and I love them together, like the vampire and oh the vengeance God, demon. Yeah. I mean, gimme. Um, <laughs> but they, they offer yeah. each other so much appreciation and comfort. You know, and Spike is like, I've saved the Scoobies how many times and I can't stand the lot of you. And Anya's like, yeah, we're the worst. Yeah, I <laughs> hate us. She says, I hate <laughs> us. It's so good. I love that. It's so I good. I love her agreeing with, I love Anya agreeing with Spike that they're all the worst. Yeah. It's great. She's like, yeah, we suck. Um, And Spike appreciates the exact things about Anya that Xander disdains about yes. Anya, you know? Which is is so good. And and they're also very cute and charming. You know, I love Anya telling Spike about singing in the shower and doing her sexy dance. And Spike is like, I have no dance. Like, it's so cute. Um, Like hell. Right? Like hell. (laughs) You know, you know, he's got a sexy dance. Um, But he tells her, you know, he says, we should have been dead hundreds of years ago. And we're the only ones who are truly alive. And I'm like, now, that's a little poet in my vampire, but it's a damn good line. Yeah. Um, And I love the post-sex nod. Oh, my God. So much. We could talk about that for 45 minutes. That exchange between them with no words, where they just look at each other. And I read that moment as on both their faces, it looks like, well, that didn't fix anything. Yeah. Like, I I read that as a that didn't fix anything. But then Spike with that little nod, like, I know it didn't fix anything. And like, we're okay. Yeah. I don't know. How do you read that? I I read it as as I wish I could do more for you. Also, thank you. And an acknowledgement of like, yeah, this is moving on. Right. We're comforting. We're here. I see you. It was so good. Oh, my God. It was so good. It was so good. The heartbreak in me bows to the heartbreak (laughs) in you. Yes, exactly. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And then and we have the two of them here. First of all, their privacy is completely violated. Yeah. And no one acknowledges that. It's almost like because they're not human, they're not entitled to privacy. Yeah, and you know, because they're both they're both you know demon adjacent, right? Right. So so they're, they are watched like a spectacle. They are judged. You know mm-hmm. they they are 
viewed during this moment that is very vulnerable for both of them. Um, And then we see both of them resist their inner nature. So Spike is attacked. Xander attacks him. And by the way, Spike has done nothing wrong in this. Anya is not a piece of property. You know, she can sleep wherever the hell she wants. Um, But the chip doesn't seem to be the only thing stopping him from following that vampire instinct and just, you know, snapping Xander's neck right there. And then when he says to Anya later, you know, I wish and Anya says, don't. So she's turning away from that vengeance demon instinct where they both were in a position where they could have killed or obliterated Xander, who was violent to both of them incorrectly and wrong and and they both kind of turned away from that violent nature that they each have and i don't know maybe they gave each other the strength and solace to do that but it it was i love the two of them together they're they're so good we've seen them together before in a kind of i don't fit in with the scoobies way and this Mm -hmm. is even more so and oh i love it so much yeah i love it so much so yeah Noel, I love being on Still Pretty because I get to ask you this question. What are you wearing? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, this is not a dress that is on anyone's person. But, oh, man, is it a significant dress? <laughs> when Tara comes to Willow's room, there's a dress hanging on Willow's door. And it's the one she wore during Under Your Spell in Once More with Feeling. Wow. Which is a fascinating bit of production design, Mm -hmm. I think, for this reconciliation moment. Um, Again, I feel like that's something that you could talk about for a really, really long time. But I think that callback to Tara's, you know, like romantic almost pot ballad about (laughs) who she is in this relationship Mm -hmm. while talking about, you know, we can't know that we're even the same people and how do you rebuild trust again? And it's just like that dress holding all of the weight of their past together, but also the, you know, the love and magic, literal and metaphorical in their relationship just kind of like the dress just kind of being a presence in that scene mm-hmm. is really significant. And I just love it. I do too. Well, and it feels like a a significant nod to Tara's forgiveness of Willow because having that dress so prominently visible when they walked in the room, if Tara still had hesitation or doubt or hurt feelings, that dress would have stopped her in her tracks. Right. And it doesn't. Um, yeah. And it's just beautiful. It's so good. It's so good. So, okay. New segment for the show. <laughs> I could not help myself. I can't help it. Okay. So there have been some good things in the world this week. An inauguration with incredible coats and Lady Gaga and Amanda Gorman. And also the most delightful meme of Bernie Sanders in his <laughs> mittens. So, what are you memeing? Noelle, where in all the Buffyverse would you Photoshop Bernie? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That is such a great question. Where would I Photoshop Bernie? Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, the possibilities. 
the possibilities. I would absolutely Photoshop him into Spike's crypt, possibly for the watching of Passions. Maybe when Joyce, you know, when Joyce like comes to drop off Dawn, essentially, it is like, here you go. And then Spike, they start talking about Passions. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Bernie would fit right in there. Um Oh my god, that's so good. I can I I'm certain someone has plopped him into the Sunnydale High School library. Yes, how there could have you not? there have been several of How of him. could you not? It's so good. I want him in his chair with his mittens at the very end of season 7 when Willow casts the spell on the scythe that gives all the slayers their power and she's like all flowing with the big white hair and the magic and I just want Bernie sitting there. Like <laughs> Not impressed with Not any impressed of you at all. Gonna hit the post office later before it closes. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. <sighs> all right, Kelly Jones. We do not always do a girl power moment of the week, but I think you've got one for us this week. Well, it was in the script, and I I am an academic, so if there is a place to put a note, I am duty bound to put a note. So hot, I love it. <laughs> I said gold medal to Dawn. For most yeah. personal growth and development. Um, silver to Tara for knowing what she wants and yeah. going after it. And bronze to Halfrick for giving paper cuts to people that don't pay child support. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love it. I love that. So, Noel, what's your favorite part? Ooh, I mean, speaking of Halfrick, I think it's coffee with Halfrick. <laughs> I wish that was a spinoff show. I would. Yes. 100 percent. Yes. I would watch that. I love her being so delighted with herself like a quilt, you know, made of bandages. <laughs> and then her little she just she's exhausted. She just sets her cup down. OK, do they not teach listening skills in the human world? Like she's <laughs> she's great. She's, she's so good. great. She's so I just good. need I need more Halfrack in yeah. my life. Yeah. Good. What about you? What's your favorite part? Oh, God. Willow and Tara. Um, but also Buffy and Dawn. But there is nothing better than can you just be kissing me now? Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's perfection. <laughs> it's so good. So we want to hear about your favorite part. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, connect with the show on Twitter. Follow at Chipperish and use the hashtag still pretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish Media Producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now, so thank you to our January producers. Shelly, Christina, Kristen, Jonathan, Rose, Erica, Alice, Abigail, Stefania, and Sarah. And this week's special message for our power producers? We should have been dead hundreds of years ago. And we're the only ones who are truly alive. To find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or exact justice against someone on behalf of yourself, silly. We will be back next time with Seeing Red, the 19th episode of season six. Until then, I'm only doing this because I'm lonely and drunk and you smell really good. <laughs> <laughs>